Hello, and welcome back to the Pro Organizers Coach Podcast. On today's episode, I wanted to give you an update of everything that is going on behind the scenes here at POC, because everything that we are doing here is for you. So let's talk about in February what we are going to be doing to offer you ways to grow your professional organizing business. First off, On February 15th, I'm going to be having a How to Start Your Professional Organizing Business in 90 Minutes workshop. It will go over my PDF download that you will be able to download and take with you because I know that you are just like me and love a good to-do list. And so it's nice to have that to-do list as you are starting your business to make sure that you get all of your foundational pieces going. So we're going to go over that step-by-step in the workshop, and then we're going to have a live Q&A and a bonus. You are going to get a discount into our Pro Organizers coaching community. If you have not heard about it yet, our coaching community, we do bi-weekly group coaching events, which the women in there are flourishing. They are starting to get new clients, consultations, the whole nine. They're working on their websites. We've done website audits. We've talked about SEO, all the things. So they have each other to ask questions to in the community. We meet multiple times throughout the month to do group coaching events. Plus, I also do a workshop in there at least once a month. So make sure to go to Calendly.com slash Pro Organizers Coach slash Start to sign up for the February 15th workshop. I am keeping it very limited because I want to make sure there's enough time at the end for the live Q&A and that each person that comes to that workshop gets their questions answered. I also am going to be having a free co-working slash coaching day where you can sign up to do coaching with me for free. We will use it either on the podcast or on the YouTube channel, but the point is is that I want to make sure that I am available for you if you have been listening to this and you missed the free group coaching sessions we did back at the end of 2022. I want to bring that back for a limited time to allow you to come see what it's like to coach with me and to meet the other ladies. Those two free group coaching sessions will be on Saturday, February 11th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturday, February 25th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So those are the two options for the free group coaching sessions if you would like to come to those. And then, of course, the workshop. It is only $24, but you get the download, you get the live Q&As, and you get the discount into the community so you can continue to do the group coaching sessions with us. So if you don't know, if you would enjoy a group coaching session, then come on the 11th to the group coaching, then come to the workshop on the 15th and get the discount so then you can sign up for the coaching community. Now, I've also got the YouTube channel started. We've got other things coming down the pipeline, like different workshops. I just recently um, recorded an SEO workshop that will have a download with it also coming out very soon. I am in the process of on Teachable, creating as many mini workshops as I possibly can to help you ladies start and grow your professional organizing businesses. That way, it's not just one big course for a lot of money, but it's smaller workshops so you can watch them based on where you are in your journey. So email me or reach out to me on Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, make sure you are inside of our Facebook community. I am going to start going live in there very soon. So go to facebook.com slash groups slash pro organizers coach. Or if you go in the search bar in groups, you should be able to find a pro organizers coach. So get in the Facebook group. Make sure to come to the free group workshops on the 11th and the 25th of February, and make sure to sign up for that workshop on the 15th of February. I only have a few spots available. Also, if there's anything that you are struggling with when you go inside the Facebook community, please put a post about it in there. Ask the questions that you are, you know, having issues with or reach out to me directly at proorganizerscoach.com. 
So whatever it is that you are struggling with, I'm in the process of making options available to help you. But in the meantime, if I've not already made an option for you, then just reach out to me and we can do an unstuck session. That is always an option for you. It's a one hour one-on-one coaching session with me. You will find all of the links at proorganizerscoach.com for all of the coaching sessions and to be able to go to my Calendly. If you have any questions about anything that I have mentioned, make sure to go to proorganizerscoach.com and click the contact button. There you can reach out to me and ask any questions that you have about any of the things mentioned. And also, again, everything will be in the Facebook group. I am so grateful to you for listening to my podcast. I really am enjoying doing these episodes for you ladies. Now let's get on with today's episode. You are listening to the Pro Organizers Coach Podcast. I'm Samantha Brown, a professional organizer and business coach. In this podcast, you will learn how to start and scale the organizing business of your dreams. So let's jump in. Welcome back to the Pro Organizers Coach Podcast. Today, I am so excited about the episode that I have in store for you. We have Angela O'Brien from Your Space Reclaimed in Dallas, Texas. Angela is a certified Enneagram coach, and so I wanted to have her on to talk about the Enneagram. Now, if you've not heard about the Enneagram, no worries. We will get into all of that. And we are also going to talk about how the Enneagram can help you as an entrepreneur. And then a few little tips about how it can help you with your clients as a professional organizer. So thank you, Angela, for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so first, let's start with maybe you just telling us a little about you and how you became a professional organizer, and then we'll get into all things Enneagram. Sure. Um, So... Well, just ironically, I do credit the Enneagram for helping me discover that I wanted to be a professional organizer. Um, I have been a stay-at-home mom for the past 18 years, well, up until I started this. And um, back in 2015, my both my kids were um, changing schools. Uh, we had to move. We had to we just, we just had a lot of life transitions all of a sudden. And um, I was feeling kind of overwhelmed and also just a little lost. And I had this kind of discontent or this longing that almost I couldn't really even articulate, but I knew that it was there and probably a typical midlife crisis, you know? And so a friend of mine introduced me to the Enneagram and I dove right in, honestly, because once I realized my type, which was pretty quickly, I realized that I had a lot of work to do to figure out what, um, what I wanted to do and in this next chapter as my kids were getting older and um, it really, it woke me up because I realized I had been kind of asleep to my own needs and desires. I had been so focused on my kids. I have a daughter with Down syndrome. So I've been very involved in the Down syndrome community and an advocate for that. And I realized I wanted something more, something that was my own. And so it began a journey for me um, of just self-awareness and exploration and trying to figure out what I like to do. And my personality type is one that where we have lots of likes and lots of interests. And so it was kind of hard for me to really figure that out. It took several years, but I was literally at a, a friend's house and um, we were staying there for a few days and going to be doing some fun activities. And I found myself wanting to organize her pantry. <laughs> instead of going out. And I thought, why do I really want to do this? And it's not that it was that messy or anything, but I just, I just really enjoy that. I've always enjoyed it. I've had people ask me to do it for fun. And, and so I um, thought, huh, I wonder if there's something there. And that's what began my journey. And that was um, in the summer of 21. And I um, asked to do a friend's space for free. And she hired me for another space in her house, told about people, told me about people or told people about me on Facebook. And from there it took off. And so um, I've just really loved it. And in the meantime, I did, um, I had, you know, because I was so interested in the Enneagram and learning so much about it, I was sharing it with my friends and my family. And so I had several friends that really wanted me, um, 
to start sharing it some more and they really found it beneficial. So I had a couple of people that were in companies and they asked me to present it to their company. And so I had the opportunity to do that and I loved it so much. I thought, okay, I'm going to get certified so that I can really be able to use this, not only in my own job, but to introduce it to others and share it with others so that they can start to learn about it. Because I just feel like it's it's not the end all be all, but it is a really great tool for people if they want to um, just improve their life, improve their relationships, uh, develop some better self-awareness towards um, accomplishing their goals and, you know, um, just being a better person. So, so that's where I am. Yeah, that's amazing. So a little bit with me and my background with the Enneagram, um, I actually, as I was researching how to become a professional organizer, was exactly the time that I found out that the Enneagram was even a thing. And so for me, the Enneagram helped me in so many ways to learn A, about myself, like you were talking about, of like, who am I? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What do I bring to the table? But then also, what do I need to work on to better myself? And, you know, we all know as an entrepreneur, it's a self-awareness journey. The more that you are aware, the more you learn about yourself, the better your business becomes and the more you're able to help others. And so I was able to take what I was learning from the Enneagram and use that in like my marketing material and just on my website and the way I was wording things. And even when I was doing consultations with clients, I was able to bring that information in and to inform them, you know, hey, I can help you with this, or I'm really good at that and say it in a way that all of a sudden I knew this about myself where before, before I realized what the Enneagram was, I had no idea who I was, if that makes sense. Like I knew who I was, but for me to, to explain to someone who I am was very uncomfortable for me. But when you're in a consultation with a potential client, you have to be able to quote unquote, sell yourself sometimes. Right. And so the Enneagram helped me to realize, oh, I'm a number two, you know, these are the things that I am. And so when I would explain it to a client, I wouldn't say I'm a number two, but you know, the, the pros of being a number two and, and being a helper and just all of the things I was able to then state them about myself as if they were fact instead of and not feel like I was you embellishing. Know, just, or, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just, yeah. it's hard sometimes to tell yeah. people like, Hey, I can help you. And this is why, and I'm amazing at this. And that's just not my personality. And so it helped me bring that forth in my business also. And so I am so excited to get into this. So real quick, let's start with what is the Enneagram? Sure. So the Enneagram is a personality typing framework. It has some ancient roots, but it really didn't get started in the United States until about the 1970s. It is basically just a roadmap or a framework for nine ways of being in this world, how we respond to our experiences, how we respond to the world around us. We have three centers of intelligence, thinking, feeling, and doing. We all have a more dominant one of those centers, a support center, and then a more repressed center. And that is all just because we have learned in childhood, um, we've gotten certain messages and we've learned how to cope using one of those um, centers of intelligence, thinking, feeling, or doing. And really one of the benefits of the Enneagram is it helps us realize where we are, what our dominant type is, what our more repressed center is, and it helps us learn how to bring those into balance because obviously you can't just go around doing without thinking and feeling and vice versa. So it really, um, I think, gives us language to articulate kind of what's happening, how we're processing all these things. And then it also, I think, too, gives us some um, empathy and compassion because it helps us realize not everybody responds to situations the same way that we do. And I think it can really give um, some um, just help and understanding to people who might not be, you know, might might have some black and white thinking about how everyone, you know, thinks like they do. And it really can open that up. And I'm, I think it 
it's really for the curious person who is interested in understanding more about themselves and then also just be being willing to understand more about others. Yeah, absolutely. And real quick. So for me, whenever I found out about the Enneagram and of course, we'll get into all nine types, you know, in a, in a minute, but I found out I was a two, which is the helper. And then I found out that my husband was an eight, which is the achiever or something, or like the, yes, the challenger, the challenger, achiever, that's uh, the challenger, word. yes, yeah. achiever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, my husband's the challenger. And what was so great about that for me is everything that I was reading when it came to who he was. All of a sudden, it made sense why he did things this way, why he got frustrated about these certain things that I could have cared less about, or vice versa. And so just being aware is so beneficial to, you know, not just us, but the people around us. And then, of course, with our clients, you know, which, of course, we can't go in and be like, hey, will you take this hundred question essay so I can know what Enneagram type you are to a client. But just being aware of some of the key things of what each type are. And the more you learn about it, the more that you're able to kind of look at a client and as you work with them, realize a lot more about maybe what their weaknesses are and how you can help kind of compensate with them, which, you know, is is the point of as an organizer is to come in and help them where they may be falling short. Absolutely. Yes. And I think one of the differences between the Enneagram and other personality typing frameworks is that the Enneagram is based on our motivations not our behaviors. And so, for instance, you can have a situation where my son comes home from college and he has his laundry everywhere and I decide that I'm going to do his laundry. Well, I can have multiple reasons for doing that same behavior. I can say, oh, I really want to help him out and connect with him because he just got home and he's tired from exams or whatever. So I'm going to, you know, do this as a way to help him. Um, or I could just be like, I can't stand the clutter around the house. And so <laughs> I need a clean space. And so I'm going to do it for him. I'm going to take charge. So those are very different motivations for the exact same behavior. And so I think that having an understanding of the Enneagram allows you to have an understanding of people's motivations behind what they do. And that just allows for more compassion and more under- more understanding and better relationships all around. So Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. And I'm the same way where, you know, a lot of the other frameworks, they talk about like being extroverted or introverted or, and that's great, but it didn't connect with me in a way that the Enneagram did where the Enneagram, the more that you look into it, it's easier to understand in my opinion than a lot of the other frameworks. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. And, And I do think too, as we get into the Enneagram, we could talk for days about it because there's, it's like an onion. There's so many layers, but we can move through um, other, you know, we all have really just one type that was kind of established in early childhood, but um, in times of stress, in times of growth, we might take on the characteristics of another number and then we have wings. So one of the really awesome things I think about it is that the more we grow, the more we try to bring out all the numbers that we have in us and become more balanced in how we approach things. And so um, to move beyond our personality, it just gives us a starting point. It's not a landing pad. It's a launching pad for us. All right. So let's go ahead real quick. I know that it may be a little confusing for those of you, if you don't know anything about the Enneagram, but just a real quick like recap of the overall thing. There are nine different types, and of those nine types, there are three sections. So there's the body, which are the three that are more of a um, go with your instinct, with your gut. And then there are three numbers that are the heart types, quote unquote, where that we lead with our heart. Mm -hmm. And then there are three numbers that are the head type. They're more of the thinkers. They think everything through. Um, And so if she's talking about, you know, the body heart or head that's where that plays in and then of course the nine numbers are the nine different types so um do you want to go ahead and start with maybe number one and just kind of go in yeah sure sure and i'll just mention too for those that might be wondering okay there's seven billion people in the world how can we have nine different personality types if you google the enneagram and you look at the picture of the enneagram it is a circle and i like to think of that as a color wheel so 
and because it's based on our motivations, not our behaviors, um, we all have a core motivation, one of those nine core motivations, but there are an infinite way, there's an infinite way of expressing those core motivations. And that's where the Enneagram comes in as a circle. It's kind of like a color wheel where there can be an infinite number of expressions of blue or green. So just for those that are wondering about how can you just put everybody into nine different types, it's really, um, there's just an infinite ways of expressing those different types, but it does come down to those nine different core motivations that we all seem to have. So Starting with number one, uh, ones are called the reformer. They used to be called the perfectionist, but really they, they are more of, they want to improve everything. They are in that, uh, gut triad, as you mentioned, the body triad, which is also the doing triad. So, and that triad is also related to, um, a dominant feeling of anger. And you might, you might, you know, find out that someone's a one and you think, oh, they don't have a lot of anger. Well, they internalize that anger and um, it sometimes comes out as resentment, but they want, they want things to be streamlined. They want to improve everything. They are the ones that, um, and I heard this story, so I'm going to repeat it from my Enneagram teacher. She taught about um, the fact that when you purchase a piece of furniture and you have to put it together and you get a 1-800 number in case there's a missing piece, who calls the 1-800 number? The ones do because they want it to be perfect. She had a someone come up and say, well, now that I know that I had to put something together and I chose not to call the 1-800 number. Well, from that point on, he couldn't even look at the piece of furniture because he knew that that screw was missing. <laughs> so they are, they want things to be just as right and good as possible. They want their, their core motivation is to be good, to, um, to not be wrong, really. They want to be good and they want, they want to get their value from um, and their worth from being good in this world. Um, their orientation to time is more the present. So they are constantly thinking, even though they're, they're doers, they're in the doing triad, but they are processing their thoughts. And I've, I've, I've heard that, and I see this in my own two kids, they're, they're ones. They both process their thoughts verbally. So ones tend to need time and space to be able to do that. Um, if you are working with a client that is a one, giving them that time and space to um, to process and, uh, you know, as they're deciding on whether to keep something, giving them time to verbally express what they're feeling about it and um, how they want to, to um, you know, what, what they want to do with it. So that would be a suggestion when you're working with ones. But um, they really, their their core fear is really just not being good as being, you know, being wrong in any way. They're the ones that are going to um, probably be more of like, you know, micro sorters and macro sorters. They might want things very, very reg regimented. They're probably already going to be pretty organized in how they, um, how they work. Um, efficiency is not necessarily on their radar. They want to make sure it's right and they will take the time to do what's right. One thing to keep in mind for ones is progress over perfection. Uh, so when you're doing something, whether it's organizing or anything else, really making sure that you keep in mind that um, it doesn't have to be perfect. So if you're waiting to start something, you know, sometimes it's good to just jump in, whether it's perfect or not, it, you will figure that out. Um, so, you know, not being paralyzed to start something until it's absolutely perfect. Uh, that might be a helpful tip for a one, just, you know, thinking through that. So I am a two with the wing of a one <laughs> and my motto is progress over perfection. Like I oh, have good. to tell myself yeah. that all the yeah. time because yeah. I want it to be perfect. And yeah. if it's not perfect, it's not good enough. Yeah. 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 I struggle with that as a nine wing one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah. But, and the only other thing I'll say uh, that's very distinct about ones is that they have what's called an inner critic in their head. And that's, that's a very telltale sign that you are, are one. If you have a voice in your head that is constantly critiquing you and telling you what you're doing wrong, you might be a one. And that those words, those buzzwords, should, could, must, um, ought, those are words that you need to be careful of. If you're hearing those words, 
red lights should be going off because you need to think through that because not everything is a should, right? We, we need to, we need to step back from that. And, um, and they also say to name your inner critic, you know, just so that you can give it a voice and say, okay, I'm not going to listen to you today. So, um, just being aware of that and being aware of your inner critic can help, help you make progress over perfection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, anyone that has that inner critic or or needs that reminder of progress over perfection, which I do constantly, I say it out loud to myself. Like I'll be in the middle of doing something and I have to literally go, okay, Samantha, progress over perfection. It's better to get it going. We can tweak as we go if needed, but I have to like verbally remind Mm -hmm. myself that so I can hear it and then be like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm going with it. Good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ones are verbal processors. They need that verbal processing to, to, to help get them through those, those critiques that they're hearing and from that inner critic. So, yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So then twos, which of course is what I am. Um, they are the helper, the giver, the mentor. Um, and the only reason that if you're listening, the perfectionist that I have, which we won't get into wings, cause that's kind of a down the road type thing. But each one of the types has a wing, which just means that like for me, I'm a helper at my core, but my wing is the number one that she was just talking about, the perfectionist. So I kind of have, you know, the helper is is like my motivation, who I am on the inside, but I still then have those tendencies of the perfectionist that are, you know, like the inner critic or wanting to be perfect or all the things she was just talking about. And so that's why I was saying I tell myself that all the time and I didn't even know that that was part of the number one. And so, of course, as you get into this and, and we'll make sure to leave the links in the show notes of how you can take the test and learn more about all of these things. Number two, the helper. How would someone know that that's who they are? So the helper, the, number two is the helpers. They have a strong motivation to be appreciated. They want to be liked. They want to be appreciated. They have, um, they're in that feeling triad. So they have a very strong emotion component. Um, but it is not, um, feelings about themselves. It's their feelings of others. And so there it's all outward feeling. They have a very, very strong empathetic, um, intuition, uh, into understanding other people's needs and wanting to meet those needs, wanting to help them. And they feel like they get their worth from being that helper. Um, so as a two, it's helpful to remember that you are valued just for who you are, not because of what you are doing to help other people. Um, and while helping others is almost always a good thing, sometimes others don't want our, want our help, right? And so um, we can, twos can overdo. They can, they can, they can be so interested in helping others that they either don't realize that that person doesn't want our help or they can um, dismiss their own needs, their own feelings, their own thoughts. And sometimes if you ask a two what they want, they don't know because they are so focused and have such a strong ability to take the temperature of the room around them and of the people around them that um, it can be difficult for them to articulate what they actually want. So it's important for twos to take um, take some time alone. Twos do not like to be alone, but, um, that is one of those tips that I tell twos is to take some self-care and try to be alone. Try to think through some of your own feelings and thoughts so that you can feel prepared to take on whatever comes next. It's, it really does become like a struggling act. They tend to fear being replaceable. They really want to be needed. Um, and their, um, their orientation to time is also the present because other people's needs are right here and now. And so they want to be that one that can help them. Um, and so they are, they're amazing. They're wonderful people, but, but it is important for them to realize they have their own needs and wants and, and being able to articulate those to others and to set boundaries for them. That can be very difficult for a two, especially when it comes to like your calendar clutter. Like if you are, if your calendar is filling out because you're saying yes to, you know, making, you know, potlucks for the church, you know, or whatever <laughs> too many times a week. And, but you're over, but you're really exhausted that can, you know, learning to set some boundaries and learning to say, no, I need to take some time for myself can be really helpful for a two, 
in their um their their journey of growth yeah and and also like for me as a two with my husband i got to where i had to learn like you were saying to to express what i was needing and express that i needed him to verbally affirm me because if i feel like you know, oh, I did all of this stuff for you, but you don't appreciate what I'm doing, mm -hmm. then anger becomes a very real thing for me as a two. And so I had to, which thank God his love language is the verbal love language. <laughs> so <laughs> we didn't have that much, that many issues with it. He was already that type of person, but I could see where as a two, if like you had a spouse or someone, you know, even a business partner or anybody that you're with all the time, if they are not telling you how good of a job you're doing, if they're not telling you, thank you, if they're not, you know, verbally appreciating you, then very easily you're going to hold that in because mm -hmm. you don't want to disappoint them as a two. And then before you know it, you're going to explode and they're going to look at you like you have two heads because exactly. they yeah. didn't even know any of this was going right, on. Right. That resentment builds up, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point about twos because they do need those words of affirmation. They need to know that they feel appreciated. And, and so for my clients that I do know that are twos, I tend to check in with them a little bit more often um, because I do want them to feel um, to feel that appreciation that they have chosen me to help them in their life, because this is such a personal business that we do that we get really involved in people's lives. And so, um, I want them to, to know that I do appreciate that they have let me in. And, um, and also too, I tend to, if I know that a client is a two, I, I want to address their stress point, not the family's stress point, but their stress point, or perhaps I work on their closet because that means that's something for them because they're always doing things for others. So and really letting them know that they are appreciated um, can be really helpful if you're in a relationship with a two. Yeah. And if you find out that you are a two, another thing that I have learned is scheduling in my calendar and not, you know, time for myself, whether it's a massage or a walk or whatever I enjoy. And I put it in red so I make sure that I get that done. But I also like there for a while I was scheduling it, but then I was letting like, oh, if a session came up or someone else needs something. And now I'm in such a place where I'm like, no, I am going to be better for the people I love if I take this time for myself. If I do these things of self-care, even if it's once a month, like it doesn't have to be all the time, but whatever I schedule for myself, I am not letting anything get in the way. Because if that gets in the way, I'm going to have resentment and I'm going to be frustrated and then I'm going to be no good to my loved ones or clients anyways. Right. Yes. No, that's a really good point. And I love that you put that in red to make make that a boundary for you. You know, that's an important boundary that I think twos um, need to acknowledge that they need that for themselves. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So awesome. All right. Well, then number three, they are also the heart in the heart triad. So what is a number three? So threes are known as the achiever and they are, they are the very success oriented. They see a goal and they will do whatever they can to achieve it. Um, unlike twos where twos want to be appreciated, threes like to be admired. They want to be admired for their work ethic, for their work that they do. Uh, that's where they feel their worth. And so it's important for a three to um, on their journey of growth is understand that their value in life doesn't come from the work that they do. It comes from who they are as a person, the fact that they are a person. And even though they are in the heart triad and feelings are front and center for them, those feelings tend to be the ones that come to the forefront are the ones that they think others want them to feel. So they sometimes are actually not quite in touch with their own feelings. Um, they have them but they tend to kind of deny them for those that they think are better suited for the people that they are around or better suited for um, what they think they, needs to happen for them to achieve whatever it is that their, their goal is. Um, they are um, very action oriented, um, high energy. They're great multitaskers, just fabulous multitaskers. One of my dear friends is a three and he is on top of everything. Now details, not so much. Like he is high level. 
he is the CEO of a company. And so he is just, he's got so many balls in the air all the time. And that I think is typical of a three. They just have lots of ideas and they have lots of um, things they want to do. And then they will cover the high level and then they will hopefully delegate others to take care of the details for them. Um, They are all about efficiency as well. Like I said, they can multitask really well. They are about efficiency. And so they actually are ones when it comes to organizing, they actually tend to, um, and I'm, you know, stereotyping about all of this, but um, threes tend to be kind of almost like physically averse to clutter. So if you walk into a threes house, you probably won't see a lot of clutter. But if you open up the drawers or if you open up the closets, you might see that they've shoved them behind because that's, you know, details, details, you know, they want to maintain that image and they can um, conform to the image that they think that they need to um, achieve in order to be liked by the people around them and be admired by the people around them. So they are, um, their orientation to time is more the future because they've got so many ideas that they want to accomplish. They are looking ahead toward those goals that they've set. Um, They are the ones that are most likely if you as an organizer, give them homework, they're going to do it. They're going to, they're going to go and run with it and they're going to take care of it because they want to accomplish that goal. So, um, and there, again, efficiency is big and, and important to them. So efficiency over perfection is, you know, kind of what they what they yearn for. It doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to get the job done and, and succeed in what they're doing. So, yeah, it kind of reminds me of a lot of my clients, not saying that all of them are threes, of course, but kind of the client that like the baskets will fix everything. <laughs> so like, you know, if as long as everything's the same topic in that basket, and the basket is all we see, then we're good. Good, done, move on to the next thing. (laughs) That's so right. Yeah, where ones might be more of those micro sorters. They want every little thing organized into its own little compartment. Threes might be more macro sorting. They can just take things and like you said, dump it into a bin and it looks good. And so we're good to go. We don't need to go any further as long as, and it's that ease of retrieval, right? Like setting things up so that, that it is, um, easy for them to retrieve as long as it's easy for them to retrieve and they know where things are then um, they're good to go so, so yeah yeah awesome all righty so we are on number four which is the last of the heart types yes they are my husband is a four so I have a very strong fondness to fours um and um it was super helpful for me to understand this for him as a four because as a nine, I process much more slowly where he is so in tune with not only his feelings, but everyone else's around him. They are, they're called the individualists. They love originality. They want to be different. They want to, um, they desire things that are different and authentic. They want to be their authentic selves. And so they can be very emotional beings and they have lots of feelings. And I like to describe my husband. He has a, he has a feeling and then he has a thought about the feeling and then he has a feeling about the thought and then he has a thought about the feeling and he can do that so quickly. And I'm still on my first thought. Right. (laughs) And it was so helpful for us to understand that about each other because he would say, okay, we were just in that situation. How did you not see this, 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 and this? I was like, I'm still processing the first thing, you know? (laughs) So it was really helpful for us to understand that about each other. They fear the ordinary, they feel not having a distinct identity. And so things as simple as going to the grocery store, they'll, they want to go to the grocery store that is, that has the beautiful displays and the artful, you know, sections to them. So, um, they, they, they tend to be more artistic and more creative on that side, but they are really good at processing those emotions and, um, and, and feeling what others feel. They have a really good ability to sit in the melancholy. Um, and what I mean by that is they, they can sevens, for instance, when we get to sevens, we'll learn, they don't really like to feel that sadness. They don't like to feel that pain Fours, they don't necessarily like it, but they aren't uncomfortable with it. They can, they are the ones that you can call when you are in a, in a crisis mode and you're dealing with some trauma or some pain. And they are the ones that will sit with you and just be with you and, and process those emotions with you and help you get through that. So they're really, um, they're wonderful creatures. Um, (laughs) I think when you, when you work with fours, allowing them time to process, um, because they're going to have a lot of emotional attachment to things, 
um, and they have a lot of artistic avenues that they want to pursue. And so allowing time and space for that, for, um, for their creative pursuits, uh, for um, their time to dream about things, for their time to process what they're feeling about whatever thing that they're deciding whether to keep or not, allowing them time and space to do that, to, to process that it can be really helpful. So, um, and they are more oriented to the past, you know, because they're, they're thinking about things that they've done. They're, you know, processing the emotions that they've had, uh, things like that. And then they're in um, what's called the repressive stance where they are doing like repressed. So, which is also nine. So they are going to think and feel and think and feel before they decide to do something. So um, yeah. So that gives you an idea about fours. You know, anytime or the majority of my clients that I go in and they have, they're a crafter, right? Like they have like the craft room, the craft area, they're, they're a crafter. A lot of them, just as a little tip, like you just said, need, I don't know that they're necessarily fours, but they definitely need that time to where each thing that you pick up, they're going to have a story. They're going to want to tell you about it. They're going to, you know, and so when, when it's someone like that, you have to go in with the mentality of, okay, today's session is going to go a little slower than my typical sessions. I've got to have a lot more compassion. I've got to just sit here and listen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They need that time. They need that time and that space to process those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we are moving on to the five through seven are the head types. So these are the thinkers, correct? Absolutely. Yes. This is the head triad. So their dominant center of intelligence is thinking. Um, So as a five, fives are called the investigator. I like to think of Bill Gates would be an example of this. They are the investigator. They want to delve into all of the answers. They they value information because that helps them feel safe, actually, and it helps them make decisions. And it also helps them conserve their energy. They are very concerned about the amount of energy that they have to contribute to everyone else. They have a finite amount and they are concerned about conservation of that. So they they value self-reliance, they value competency, uh, they really want to be known as being smart and, and informed about any decision that they might make. Um, so they, they fear that, like I said, that depletion of that energy that they have, and also just the incapability of making a decision or fear not being able to understand what's going on. They really like to have all the information around them. Um, they like to hold their resources close to them. So for them, I think analysis paralysis can be one of those uh, pitfalls for a five. They can think through and think through without actually doing so. And sometimes they might think that the thinking is the doing or the planning is the doing, but it's actually just thinking or planning. It's not the actual doing. So um, as a five, keeping in mind that that is um, something that a five might have to work on. They, they really value like a five it tends to be more introverted. Uh, they tend to want to stay in their own space and feel comfortable in their surroundings. They might be ones that love to be surrounded by their books or, um, you know, things that, that bring comfort to them. Their orientation to time is also the past as well, just like a four and a nine. Nice. And then, so now let's go on to number six. Sure. Sixes. Um, it's said that there are more sixes in the world than any other number. I don't know if that's true, but that's what several of the Enneagram teachers are saying. Um, and um, they are in the thinking triad as well. However, interestingly enough, um, and this gets into more detail about the Enneagram that we don't need to dive into, but their, their thinking center of intelligence is also their most repressed, which means that they're thinking all the time, but they tend to have what's called unproductive thinking. And what I mean by that is that they can have a lot of anxiety or worry over worst case scenarios, things that are not likely to happen, but they're going to think about them and prepare for them anyway. Their core motivation is to feel safe in this world. They have a a fair amount of fear. And so they want to feel um, belonging. They want to feel safe with who they are. So they're very loyal and they they really desire a lot of loyalty among their their friends and their their relationships. So um, that's that's really important for a six. 
Like I said, uh, their their core fear is uh, being unprepared. They are the ones that uh, I heard a six one time. She's a doctor. She said that every time she gets on a plane, because who knows if they might say, is there a doctor on the plane? She wants to know where the um, the medical kit is on the plane. And so she asks every time she wants to be prepared. That would be an example of a, of a six behavior coming from that core motivation of, of um, I'm going to do everything I can to be prepared for the worst case scenarios. So it's super helpful to have sixes on a team because they will help you think of those things that other people might not necessarily think of. They're very important and they really strive for um, understanding and loyalty. It's really important to be honest with a, with a six and, and to express your loyalty. If you've hurt them, be honest with them about it. Um, because that's super important to them. So, um, and it's, uh, they say with sixes, like they can have a lot of anxiety over that because they are thinking about things that, uh, catastrophic or tragedy or whatever trauma. Um, so it's important for sixes. If you feel like you're a six and you're struggling with some of that anxiety, um, stop, take a breath, take several breaths, and then give yourself permission to trust your gut they have to learn to trust themselves because they want to trust everyone else around them, but they have to learn to trust themselves. And so that's one of the I think, key learnings for a six as they, they go through their journey. By the way, my daughter's a thinker, which she's a seven, but you know, for thinkers, they're so in their head that like yeah. you said, they forget, Oh wait, I do have the way I'm feeling. I do have what my gut's telling me. I do exactly. have these other things, but like you were saying with every single number, no matter what number we find out we are, it's all about bringing everything into balance. And right. each number has corresponding ones that, you know, if, and as, if you're someone that's interested in this, definitely dive into it because it's so fascinating. But once you figure out what you are, that awareness is all it can do is help you from here moving forward to be a better you. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And yes. And like you said, if you dive into the Enneagram and you learn more about what happens when your number goes to stress or when your number is feeling really confident and feel and going to, toward growth, you can take on the characteristics of a different number. And if you're going into stress, if you can take on the character, the higher characteristics, the healthier characteristics of that number, that actually can bring you back into balance and that can actually help you. So um, it really is fascinating how the Enneagram really explains a lot of that, uh, those motivations and those behaviors that happen from those motivations. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Alrighty. So number seven, like I said, my daughter is this and they are the last of the thinkers, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. They are, they, and they process very quickly. They're strong thinkers. They are um, known as the enthusiast. Uh, they are the life of the party. A lot of times they bring a lot of energy to anything that they do. Their core motivation is to get more of of either what they already have or more of what they don't yet have. Um, so things that are new and exciting, uh, they love to dive into that. Details, the mundane, the day-to-day, -day, not so much. Uh, <laughs> so that is something that um, if you're working with a seven uh, as an organizing client, um, you really have to make it fun. Uh, quick sessions, you know, things like that so that they can stay in the game and stay motivated. They fear monotony. They fear the mundane. They can obviously have feelings about everything, but they tend to, if you think of feelings as like a spectrum of positive to negative, they really focus on that one side of positive. They don't like to address the painful, uh, the negative emotions that they might feel. And so they will sometimes in real time, reframe a situation so that that negativity is not included when they retell the story or when they rediscuss or when they rethink through it. Um, they just, they it really struggles with that pain and getting in touch with that and acknowledging that, um, that pain or that sadness that you might feel as a seven can be really helpful in healing and things like that you know, the Enneagram can help us work through some of that, but that's really can be helpful for a seven is to acknowledge some of that, that it, you know, life is not always fun, 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 but man, they bring a lot of energy and they just, you can't help but like a seven because they just have so many great ideas and so just so exciting. They bring a lot of um, just depth to uh, our, you know, to our teams and things like that. 
Yeah, and if you find out you're a seven, I've also heard it said that they are like the sunshine in the room. Absolutely. Like when, when a seven walks in the room, they bring the sunshine with them. And, you know, the, the whole mood of the room can change because a seven has walked in. Absolutely. Yes, they really are. They're they're probably more extroverted where the fives might be more introverted, but they just they just bring so much energy and fun. And um, so it's really helpful to have them by your side. Um, but just getting them to maybe slow down sometimes and acknowledge, okay, we do have some we do have some laundry to do today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sometimes can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Get them a counselor. Yeah, it's all yeah. I can say. If if it's a spouse <laughs> or a kid, you know, as a parent of a seven, like make sure it's coming from someone else. Yes, and learn yeah. how to support them or maybe make it fun. Like, hey, there's this new exciting thing I found out about. Wanna learn? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to make it fun for them. You have to make it fun or else they're not going to be interested. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Awesome. So we've got two left and Mm -hmm. these last two numbers are the other two. Um, The one was also the body type. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Eights, nines and ones are in the gut triad or the the intuition triad, the doing triad. So they are the doers. Um, well, with the exception of the nine, I'll explain that. Um, but eights, eights are um, known as the challenger. They are not afraid of conflict. They, um, they are the ones that are going to come in and take charge of a situation. They are natural leaders They, um, and it's not necessarily because they want to control a situation, although it might seem like that, they actually fear being controlled. And so they will preempt that by taking over and they, uh, they fear that vulnerability. And so it's hard for them to express that. But if you can get in the trust circle of an eight, which is very small, they trust very few people, so you have to be honest with them uh, and have to be willing to match their energy. They have a lot of energy. You have to be willing to match their energy and show them that you will show up too because they will show up for you every single time. They are incredibly loyal. Um, I we have a, I have a group of girlfriends, and one of my girlfriend's husbands is an eight, and he's at the bus stop, he always wants to come up and talk with us about, you know, a football game of a rival or something like that. And she laughed and she said, that's his way of being intimate. That's his way of connecting. He likes to dig. He likes to get involved. He likes to really connect with you and tease you or whatever. But that is his way of showing that he likes you. And that is an eight. They are not afraid to jump right in and and um with a lot of gusto really almost are. inappropriately sometimes <laughs> sometimes yes yeah. i mean and that is really one of the key learnings for an 8 is learning how to um understand their understand other people's boundaries right? right and when not to cross those right um they they that is that's an important lesson for 8s um 8s are the ones that you know they'll like if people were to describe them they'll say oh they're a lot you know, they're just a lot. They have a lot of energy. They bring a lot to the table and, and a lot of times is awesome. Right. But sometimes it's not, it's not needed. And, and, and really, um, letting an eight, uh, show their vulnerability. That's when, you know, you have really entered into their, you know, their circle because, um, they do have that vulnerable side. They have that sensitive side. And when you get to see that, that's really awesome. It's my best friend is an eight and she just will, do anything for me. She's so, they're so loyal and they great gusto. And we joke that, you know, she would throat punch anything, anybody that would mess with me. And I keep her out of jail. I keep her from (laughs) getting into trouble because she says, she's like, I need to walk around the block before I respond because they are just, they're, they're, they, they're ready fire aim, right? You know, where nines are like, whoa, 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 we need to take our time and think (laughs) through this before we do anything. So, so their eights and nines can be a great combination, a great, great duo. So, but yeah. 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 And my husband is an eight. um, And as an eight, it's exactly what you've said. Like he has taught me how, you know, because as a two, as the helper, I would always worry about whatever I say, how that's going to affect someone else. And so, you know, I was very bad in my early 20s for exaggerating and lying, not meaning to, mm-hmm. but just because I was so aware of what I thought the other person 
needed to hear. Mm. And he came in with this, like, well, if you lie to me, it's because you're disloyal. Like, you know, just tell me the truth. I need the truth always. Just mm. always tell me the truth. And literally, the second you tell him the truth, he'll, okay, I forgive you. Let's move on. All's done. That vulnerable side comes through, right? And they yeah. just, yes, that sensitive area comes through and it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're they, super they're annoying. Such good cheerleaders for people. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're so annoying, but the best people on earth once you yeah. get to know them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They're very justice oriented too. Like they will go and they will fight. They are going to attack the bully right? The one that's picking on somebody else. They are like, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that to this, to this group or this person. They just, they're not afraid to get in there and, and fight for what's right. So yeah, just really wonderful people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably, I mean, honestly, you know, that whole joke about you with your friend with jail, it's the same with me and my husband. Like I, I literally don't know how many times I've kept him out of jail as crazy <laughs> as that sounds because he's ready to go defend with his life something that he sees happening that is is an injustice yeah 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 i know they're just they 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 have no fear almost (laughs) (laughs) they're like consequences be danged like i want who cares i'm dealing with this thing yeah exactly yes awesome yeah and so they are called the challenger the boss the protector are kind of like the the little nicknames for the eights and so if you find out you're an eight then you know, that's a amazing. And honestly, you know, with an eight, like you were just saying, it's nice as a, as a significant other, or as a friend, if you have someone that's more of like the peacekeeper, like, which is the nine we're about to find out about, or the two that's the helper or somebody that can help kind of mellow and, and, and bring you down. But at the same time, you as the eight, your loyalty and your compassion and your enthusiasm is going to help build up the ones of us that are a little more reserved. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That has been the biggest gift that she has given to me actually is to just help build me up and build my confidence. So because eights and nines in some ways could not be more different, (laughs) even though we're in the same triad, the same, we're doing dominant. We could not be more different in some ways. Yeah. So as a segue to nines, nines are, they're known as the peacemaker. They're known as the mediator. They um, really avoid conflict almost at all costs and almost to a detriment. Sometimes when you avoid conflict and you create more conflict, that would be a nine if they're not, haven't done some work to, they, they fear losing connection with others. And, be, and because of that, that's why they hold in anything that might disturb the peace. And then they want to help with anything that um, might create conflict. They want to reduce all of that. So because they are so focused on keeping the peace internally and externally, they actually have the least amount of energy of any of the numbers on the Enneagram. And so because it takes so much effort to try to maintain that peace and try to maintain that calm, they tend to struggle with prioritization. And the reason that I say that is because even though nines are doing dominant, we are in the doing triad and our first response to something might be, what do I do or what should I do? Um, We also, uh, like sixes where you have unproductive thinking, we can be unproductive doers. So we are constantly doing things, but they may not necessarily be the best thing that we can be doing to achieve our goals or to, um, to move us forward. So for instance, because I love to organize, if I'm avoiding something, you might find me in my closet, organizing my closet uh, because I'm numbing out I or on social media or something like that. Nines can numb out because we tend to procrastinate because either we don't want to address the conflict, we don't want to get things done or, or and a lot of times we really, and this is, this is why the Enneagram was so helpful to me, we are not aware of our own needs and wants, kind of like twos. And that's why twos and nines can sometimes be hard to distinguish between. Uh, We are so focused. We tend to merge with others because of that fear of loss of connection. We want to, we so want to keep the peace with others. We will merge with others and in their thinking and their processing that we forget to do our own. And so for me, speaking for myself, I'm one of those people that has to, if I have a meaning about something, 
I then need some time to process. And um, then I can come back and with my thoughts written down or verbalized and, and really express what I'm feeling. I need some time away. Um, nines are very attracted to nature. So getting out in nature as a nine can be really helpful. It kind of provides some of that peace that we long for. We can also, interestingly enough, I think I'm a little different that nines can tend to, because they can procrastinate, they can tend to let their spaces get cluttered. Um, I think I have, um, a very strong one wing that, and that's just something that I enjoy and it keeps me, I have trouble kind of processing if I have things cluttered. So I need to keep things, um, you know, neat. But if I go on vacation or if I'm in someone's house, I don't unpack. I let things go. It's not mine. So I don't worry about it. So I can get a little messy during that time. So that's where my nine shines through um, during those times. But our um, orientation to time is to, to the past. So we're kind of constantly thinking about things that we've done. Oh, did I upset someone because I said, you know, because I said mm. such and such will ruminate. Um, it's important to give nines a deadline when you're working with them uh, because that will really help them with that procrastination piece. We can be procrastinators. So, um, but, but really one of the great things, and I should have started with this, is one of the great things about nines is that we can see many sides to a situation. So things are not black and white to us. We can see shades of gray. And so um, that can be, we, we're known for being really good leaders because we can help keep, we can help mediate. We can help people come that are in conflict, come to an understanding and, and, um, and work together. So it is really helpful to have nines on your team um, when you have conflict, if they can, if they can work through that conflict and help people come together and see both sides and explain those sides and have empathy for both sides. Um, and the trick is for a nine to really um, figure out where you stand figure out where you um, fall on that situation because sometimes it makes it harder because we can see all sides to a story. Sometimes we maybe can't decide where we land or fall. So um, that was one thing that I really had to work on. And then finally, I'll say that um, nines tend to forget that their presence doesn't, that their presence matters. They think that their presence doesn't matter. And that was when I heard that, that was the that was just the knife in the heart for me because that really hit me hard. I felt like that all my life. And that gave me some language for that feeling that I had never had before. And I appreciated that. And I started to work on developing that confidence in myself. And I think that that's something that nines need to work on is understanding that their presence does matter. We have gifts to share with this world and we may think we don't, but we, we do. And we are we're, we can just be wonderful creatures. And so um, understanding what those gifts are and taking time to become more self-aware of ourselves and what those gifts are can really be beneficial, not just to us, but they're worthy of being shared with the world. So nines are, are yeah. really great. Well, and in my opinion, the way that, you know, a seven is like the sunshine in the room. Like I would also much rather have a nine because I need some calm and peace in the room yeah. too. Like they're very chill, very yeah. easygoing, self-effacing. Yes. Easy to get along with. I, you know, I'm like, where do you want to go? Oh, I'm sure I'm fine with you there. You know, I really, yeah. a lot of times we don't have an opinion on things. And so people will ask us and I'm like, ah, I'm good. But I have tried to, like when I do have a thought of, or maybe just even a, like a small, I'll try to express that because I'm working on that as a nine. I'm working on figuring out what my needs are and being able to articulate those to others in a nice, peaceful way. Yeah. 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 And then real quick, I think on the time reference um, of like the orientation to time on um, seven and eight, did we go over the orientation? Oh yeah. Sorry about that. Sevens and eight, their, their um, orientation to time is the future because oh, okay. they are, yes, they are more, um, uh, they are, um, more feeling repressed. And so they are going to focus more sevens, especially what's next, what's more, what yes. more can we have, right? And eights, they are very, you know, go get them. Let's act. Let's go now. Let's do it. Let's just move forward. What can we do to accomplish what we needed to get done? So yeah, three sevens and eights, their orientation to time is to the future. Oh, nice. Awesome. So I would, you know, like to know, and that way I can put it in the show notes, but where or how does someone go about learning what they are? Where's the quiz? More about the Enneagram? 
what would you suggest if they were interested? Yeah. I really believe that the Enneagram is a journey of the self and um, it takes some self-awareness. So starting, you can start with either a book or a website um, or a test. They have tests out there. A lot of them are free that you can go and take. And sometimes that can be a good starting point for helping you start to develop a self-awareness. But it really takes some time. Those tests are not always accurate. And so you need to take some time, especially if you are not very self-aware, like maybe a nine or a two, um, you, it, it can, it can maybe be more difficult to figure out your type on those tests. Um, so I really recommend that you, um, start to read about the Enneagram, listen to podcasts like this, start to understand what all of the numbers are, and then you can start to narrow down which ones you definitely aren't, and then start researching which ones you think you might be. Um, and really developing an understanding of all of the types um, is where a lot of the transformation and where a lot of the growth happens. So you learn not just about your own core motivations, but you learn about others. You learn about what happens when the numbers go into stress, because that can be a clue. What happens when you go into stress? What happens when you're feeling really confident? How are you feeling? How are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, So those can give you some clues. Um, In terms of um, resources, um, The Road Back to You by Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron is just, it's like the awesome primer. Um, It's easy to read and it's a great introduction to the Enneagram. They're wonderful teachers. Um, Suzanne lives here in Dallas, so I've had the pleasure of attending some of her classes. I just just love the way that she teaches. And, um, and there are lots of, there are lots of websites. Uh, I particularly like the art of growth. I like, uh, the Enneagram Institute and truity.com are the ones that I tend to go to. Um, and they all have tests that you can take. Um, but just be careful of the tests. They may not be able to really articulate there because the Enneagram is based in motivations and not on behaviors. It can be a little bit more difficult to suss those out. And so you have to develop some awareness. So if I take a task and it doesn't feel right, or you get multiple numbers and you're not sure, just take a step back and start either journaling or documenting or just being more self-aware of how you respond to situations. And then maybe go back and start learning a little bit more about the Enneagram. And, um, and then you can start to figure out your type. Yeah. And I do, I do like that advice because for me, it came down to either a nine or a two. But then when I started looking at a nine or a two in stress, a nine or a two in growth, that's whenever I was able to distinguish, okay, I definitely am a two, you know, because of when I'm in stress, I go more to anger and, and it's, and my motivation of why I'm in anger is really Mm -hmm. what like sealed it for me of, you know, compared to the peacekeeper. And so, yeah, that's super great advice of making sure that, you know, you don't just take, because the test, if I'm not mistaken, was like one point off. I was like a two nine by like 1%. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be really hard. And that's interesting that you say that about between a two and a nine. So where I'm a nine and, and in times of stress, I go to that anxiety. I start thinking about all the worst case scenarios and my mind starts going and going and going. And so I go into in stress mode is, anxious for me. It's fear-based. It's not necessarily anger-based. So it's interesting. Like that can be a way for, so as you learn more about the Enneagram and you learn what happens when each number goes to stress, that can be another clue for you as you try to figure out your type. So yeah, well, I am so thankful and so grateful that you came on the, the podcast. Well, thank you so much for being on the episode and I will catch you on the next one. You have been listening to the Pro Organizers Coach Podcast. Go to the show notes to find all of the links mentioned in this episode and hit that subscribe and automatic download button so you don't miss a single thing. Thanks for listening.